Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. Though it may be known as America's pastime, baseball has spread across the world. Though the MLB is trying to come back, there is still some money to be made overseas, and Greg Peterson is going worldwide to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. From the return of baseball in the States to daily KBO picks, all the bases covered on the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. So here is the international king of swing. A special hello, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you as we are going to be joined by Scott Seidenberg. He does a great job with the Believe Podcast Network along with ESPN Radio Nationally and ESPN 98.7, the affiliate out there in the lovely state of New York. He's going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to be talking about what we can expect from this condensed 2020 MLB season. And he's also taking a look at some win totals that he likes to go over and under on. He's going to be talking about his strategy when it comes to the win totals in the MLB this year. So we're going to be talking about that in the second segment. In the final segment, I'm going to give you a side in total on every game on the KBO and NPB betting boards for a combination of Friday night and Saturday morning. The NPB games mostly start Friday night here on the West Coast. If you are on the East Coast, it's 1 a.m. Eastern, West Coast, 10 p.m. Pacific. So sort of in that weird stage. But regardless, you're going to get every side in total on those games and a little something I like to call touch them all. Always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions as well. If you have something that you'd like answered on this podcast with regards to 
one of these foreign baseball leagues, the MLB, or just gambling in general, you can feel free to fire that into my timeline at GenerousCordy1. More than happy to give you guys an answer. If you do send these via direct message, aka DM, well, unfortunately, the letter ZM to me mean does not matter. I know that a lot of you guys wound up asking me about season win totals in the MLB. I'm not someone that does them too much. Personally, you guys know me. I'm a little bit more of a game-by-game better, which is part of why I brought Scott Seidenberg on in the second segment. So he's going to be able to answer those questions. I'm going to ask a few of those that you guys asked me to him so that way you guys get a proper answer so that will be all squared away and as always in the first segment love to be able to take a look back at what we all notice in the MPB and the KBO from I guess technically this morning with regards to those games so let's take a look at it try to get to know these teams a little bit better and try to find some trends what happened yesterday let's go around the bases and find out it was a bottomless top of the ninth inning for the NC Dinos as they wind up taking down the Tucson Bears by a count of 9-3. In this one for NC, they really weren't able to get to the starter as John G. Park did a solid job for the Tucson Bears. He winds up giving up two runs over the course of five and a third innings. Both these teams wound up playing a doubleheader though. Bullpens were tired and the Tucson Bears, they just weren't able to throw out there anything at the end. Jisun Che winds up giving up three runs over the course of an inning. Kang Rule Kim, someone that I really haven't seen all year long. He gives up two runs and he records one out. That's not good. Jayhawk Lee wound up actually doing an okay job for NC. Probably the least trustworthy starter on this rotation. Four two-thirds innings. He gives up three runs and got to give it up to the NC bullpen. Despite the fact that they had a doubleheader against the Smiling Blobs the day before, they wind up being able to go four to third innings of scoreless baseball. And in this one for NC, what was really surprising in their 9-3 win, no home runs, but what really helped the team out, they were able to get three RBI on the leadoff spot from Minwoo Park. So they were able to get the job done there. Something else that's getting the job done, uh, the bad luck of Dan Straley as his Lote Giants wind up losing to the Samsung Lions by kind of 6 of 4. And this one, Dan Straley had his worst start of the year. You got to feel like the fact that his start was pushed back not once but twice really affected him. He went 7 to the third innings. He looked pretty solid with regards to not giving up walks. He had one walk and a hits batsman, but he only had three strikeouts. Season low for him. He winds up giving up four runs in the process. And for Samsung, they wind up getting a very good start from Tay and Juan. He winds up giving up one run over the course of six and two-thirds innings, but Ji Guan Chua, he wound up just not being good for Samsung in this one. He had made, prior to this appearance, 21 different tours of duty, and he had given up two runs all year long. He winds up giving up three runs in this one. That pushed the game to extra innings. But in extra innings, Samsung, they are able to get a pair of runs as they were playing this game once again with Tyler Saladino out of the fold. And for Lote, this is a bunch that pretty much everyone in the lineup got approximately one hit. Really nothing more, really nothing less. I thought that that was very funny as the lone home run the game came off the bat of Jun Woo Jun. And in this one for Lote, the bullpen really let them down. Ji Hung Park winds up giving up two runs at extra innings. That was the difference. The difference recently for the LG Twins with regards to their cold play has been the fact that they just have not been able to generate runs as the SK Wyverns have now won two games in a row as they were able to take this one by a count of 7-0. We are going to be quoting the great Lou Brown on this podcast from Major League. He must have told both the Anwa Eagles and the SK Wyverns yesterday, and I quote, we won a game yesterday. If we win today, it's called two in a row, and if we win again tomorrow, it's called a winning streak. It has happened before. As the SK Wyverns were able to get 
a no-hitter through six innings from John Wook Lee. He was pulled after giving up no hits over the course of six innings. And then from there, the no-hitter did go bye-bye. But for the SK Wyverns, very encouraging sign that Jamie Romack was able to go 2 of 4. He was able to go yard in this one. He was in the top five of the KBO in home runs last year. That was his eighth of the campaign. That was big. And for Casey Kelly... He winds up giving up five runs, four of which were earned over the course of six innings. And once again, early inning struggles have been a struggle for him. He winds up giving up two runs in the second inning. First time through the lineup has actually been the worst for him. I'm not sure how and I'm not sure why. And this one for the LG Twins, they only had three hits in this one. Roberto Ramos wound up going one of three, but this is a man with just one home run over the last three weeks. And then we mentioned that Lou Brown was also speaking to the Anwa Eagles. They get a 7-4 win over the KT Wiz, a.k.a. Smiling Blobs for two in a row for them, for the Hanwha Eagles. 14 hits in this one. All of a sudden, the Hanwha offense has gotten hot. They have scored at least a touchdown in each other last two games, and it was a top lineup that did it. The hitters 1-4 through four had a combined 7 hits, 3 of which had multiple hits, including Tae Kun Kim. He wound up having 2 RBI in this one. Sung Yo Lee, who was sent down to the minors in that mass exodus a few weeks ago, he had 3 RBI. And Warwick Soppold, best starter for Anwa, 6 innings, he goes 3 runs, and Hun Jun So. Well, he wasn't just so-so in this one. He was absolutely awful. Now he's a 6.65 ERA. He is 4-5, and five, and in this one, he just got banged around like a pinata. He winds up going two and two-thirds innings, giving up six runs, five of which were earned. That is not necessarily good there, as the Smiling Blobs were able to get a home run off the bat of Mel Rojas. He now leads the KBO with 16 home runs. He's also the league leader in RBI. And the Kia Tigers were certainly leading the way with regards to runs on Friday morning as well. As they wind up taking down the Heroes of Kiwoom by a count of 8-6. to six. They did their best to try to blow the game in the ninth inning as the Kiwoom Heroes were able to get three runs in that ninth inning as Kyun Chang So. How about this for Kiwoom? He winds up going 4-5 of five in this one. Problem was, other than a pair of home runs from the bottom of the lineup in Jung-Up Ho along with Hee Sung Kim, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot doing for a lot of these other guys. Byung-Ho Park, he wound up going just 1-3 of three in this one. And for Kiwoom, they had played a doubleheader the day before. And you could tell that the bullpen was gas. They wound up trotting out their young gun Joe, which typically means a bullpen game for them. They needed length from him, and he didn't deliver it as he went three innings, giving up six runs, all of which were earned, including a pair of long bombs. And in this one, Drew Gagion did not necessarily get the calls. He winds up giving up three runs, two of which were earned over the course of five and a third innings. Bullpen winds up giving up three, but for the Kia Tigers, Hung Woo Cha was the difference in this one. He cha 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 around the bases after he had a grand slam, a four-run bomb in the third inning. That was a real difference in this one. Ju Won Na was able to go yard in this one as well for the Kia Tigers. And Preston Tucker continues to be very feast or famine. He goes 0-4 in this one, but the Kia Tigers were still able to get the job done. Taking a look at what we all saw from Japan. We saw a gas canning of significant proportions in the Oryx Buffaloes and Chiba Lote Marines game as the Buffaloes entered into the bottom of the eighth inning, but the bullpen had been badly taxed. Tsuke Yamaweka. He wound up leaving the game after recording one out. This is the ace of the Oryx Buffaloes. Went 13-4 and last season, and the Marines took full advantage, putting up a four spot in that eighth inning. They wind up being able to get the 6-5 win in this one for the Oryx Buffaloes. They wind up actually doing a good job against Brandon Laird along Flayonis Martin. These two guys wind up going a combined 2-8, of eight. but what else was big was the fact that 
the hit that Brandon Laird was able to get his fourth home run of the year. Adam Jones was able to go yard in this one for the Oryx Buffaloes as well. His second home run of the campaign, but the bullpen had just been too badly taxed. They had to get 23 outs. Had they won the game, it would have been 26 outs. And in this one, the Chiba Lote Marines had starter Ayumu Ishikawa wind up getting a little bit blown up. He gave up four runs over the course of six innings, but the power in that eighth inning was able to get the job done for them. The Rakuten Eagles were able to get the job done against the Nippon Ham Fighters of Yokoedo as this was a 7-1 victory for the Eagles as for the Eagles they were able to get a home run off the bat of Stefan Romero that is his second of the campaign and for the Ham Fighters they just weren't able to go ham in this one a combined four hits for their team they're hitting as a collective right around a 225 for the campaign if not a little bit lower they committed a pair of errors as well as you just weren't getting the start that this team wanted as Koi Iwahara wound up going six innings in this one he gives up four runs all of which were earned bullpen from there they wind up giving up two earned runs and a couple more unearned but you've got to give it up to the Golden Eagles as Takahiro Norimoto he wound up having a terrific start seven innings he gives up one run 10 punch outs out there in the NPB that's very good and JT Chargua yes the former Dodgers reliever wound up being able to give a scoreless inning for Rakuten as well a grand slam in the Fukuoka South Bangkok's and the Cebu Lions game was the difference as the South Bangkok's the team that has won five out of the last six NPB titles winds up giving up a granny with two outs in the bottom of the eighth inning as the Cebu Lions use that to propel themselves to a 7-4 victory for Cebu in this one. They had Corey Spangenberg at the top of the lineup go 1-4, but the big hit in this game was that big giant grand slam as in the bottom of the eighth inning, unbeknownst to anyone, the bases get loaded, and I'm going to do my best on this game. Famukazu Kamara winds up going for a grand slam for the Cebu Lions as that was a home run in which put the team up for good. That was his first home run of the campaign. And you also had another pair of home runs for the Lions as well as going deep not once but twice for this team. That would be Mr. Hayata Yamakawa. He had his second and third home runs of the campaign. And then from a pitching perspective for the Lions, Zach Neal wound up actually getting a bunch of punch outs. He was only getting about four and a half strikeouts per nine innings last season out there in the MPB. Eight strikeouts in six and a third innings. Wound up getting blown up a little bit for two runs in that seventh inning as the South Bangkoks were able to get into the bullpen and they were able to get a couple unearned runs as the Lions were hurt by an error, but they were still able to get the win in that one. The Chunichi Dragons are certainly not getting it done when it comes to a hitting perspective. Eight hits and only one run. This is a team that is now stranded, I believe, 28 men on base while generating a grand total of four runs over the course of their last four games as the Hiroshima Carp all of a sudden are 3-0-1 in their last four games. They wind up taking down the Dragons by a count of 4-1. In this one, for our good buddies, the Carp. C.I. Suzuki winds up going deep not once but twice for his fourth and fifth home runs of the year. Alex Mejia winds up going yard as well. That was his first home run of the campaign. And it was a complete game for the Carp as they were able to get that from Deyashi Osera. He winds up being able to go nine strong. Gives up just one run in the process. He gave up eight hits at a walk. So his pitch count was way up there. And for the Chunichi Dragons, give them a little bit of credit. The bullpen was solid. Three scoreless innings, but damage had already been done. And the damage was done late by the Yamiyori Giants. They overcome a 5-1 to one deficit against the Tokyo Yakuza. Swalls, and they're able to get a 6-5 to five win. In this one for the Occult Swalls, they wind up getting all five of their runs in the sixth inning. They were really able to get to the starter as in this one, it was not a good start from 
Tomoyoki Sugano. He winds up giving up a grand total of five runs over the cards for five and two-thirds innings. And Ruby De La Rosa was able to get the save for the Yamiori Giants. And for the Occult Swallows, the bullpen, well, they swallowed defeat from the jaws of victory. They give up five runs over the course of three innings. And more stunning is the fact that the Yamiori Giants were able to get a couple deep balls in this one. The real difference maker for our good buddies, the Giants, was the fact that they were able to get that home run in the ninth inning off the bat of Sinusuki Shinobu. I hope I said that one correctly. I'm sure that I did not, but at the very least, we gave it an attempt as he winds up coming up in a pinch hitting spot. That was his first home run of the campaign, and that was really the difference maker in this one. So you certainly have some very interesting results going on as the Yamiori Giants all of a sudden looking like one of the better teams out there in the NPB as they have gotten off to a 5-1-1 one, one start. And another team that is getting off to a very good start, the Yokohama Dana Bay Stars. A Bay Bay, they were able to get another win. They are now 5-2. They wind up taking down the Hanshin Tigers by a count of 6-0. And what's interesting is that the Hanshin Tigers, as a collective, are hitting below the Mendoza line right now. As for the A Bay Bays, they were able to get a home run off the bat of Tyler Austin, his second in two days, his second of the campaign. And if you take a look at the pitching for the Dana Bay Stars, an absolutely superb start in this one. As going eight strong for them was Shioto Imajana. How about that? He was able to give this team eight strong, seven punch outs in the process and not give up a single earned run. And what was really bad for the Anshin Tigers, Bullpen gives up five runs over the course of one inning. It really wastes what was a really good start from Yuki Nishi. He winds up going seven strong innings. He gives up one run. He only had three punch outs, but he did a good job of holding down the fort. From there, it was just completely gas canned. So that is what we all noticed from the MPB and the KBO Friday morning. Now let's talk a little bit about the MLB, what we can expect from this season, and take a look at some season win totals with our good buddy Scott Seidenberg with ESPN and the Believe Podcast Network. That is on the other side right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to have on our next guest. He joined me a lot during the 2019 baseball season. Got to figure that he's going to be joining me a lot here in 2020 because he does a great job with a variety of different networks. You can hear him on ESPN Radio, the ESPN Radio affiliate out there in New York. That'd be 98.7, the Believe Podcast Network, and so much more. And you can follow him on Twitter at Scott's On Air, as it is Scott Seidenberg joining me as he's based out there in the great state of New York. And Scott, great to have you aboard, my friend. How are you? Oh, great to talk to you, Greg. How's everything? It is going great, as I know that when you last joined this podcast, that was in like the middle of April, we were both hoping that the MLB season would get started on July 4th. Unfortunately, we came up a little bit short for July 4th, but it seems like we're going to be getting a season starting up in late July, July 23rd, July 24th. How we got to this point probably should not be going down the history books as one of the greatest negotiation tactics on either side. But with that said, I do think that it's going to be very intriguing and I think that unlike in most MLB seasons, where typically you see the pitchers out in front of the hitters a little bit, it could be the complete opposite, just because with these pitchers, they've been off for a little bit over three months with a lot of these spring trainings, 
closing up shop right around March 11th, March 12th. And these pitchers just haven't had a lot of elements to be able to keep themselves in shape. That's a great point. And, you know, you could counter that argument by saying that batters haven't faced live pitching because they haven't really been able to, you know, experience that in spring training as well. So maybe they're going to need some time to adjust, especially with their eye lines and whatnot. But in terms of the pitching, I just think that these guys can do what they can do to stay in shape. They can throw, they can work out, and I'm sure they're all doing it. I mean, we've seen Aroldis Chapman's biceps, you know, but <laughs> when it comes to the actual routine of getting on a mound and being there with your pitching instructor and facing a batter and getting the instructions and going over a, a stat sheet and going over a game plan and approaching hitters, they have not had that. And everyone seems to be starting from from zero once again and trying to rev it up faster than they normally would. And I think it's going to cause problems throughout the first several games of this shortened season. I agree with you. And something that we've noticed in the MPB, KBO, and so many other leagues is that we've seen a lot of injuries from both hitters and pitchers to begin the year. Obviously, we're going to have a little bit of an expanded roster for this upcoming 2020 season. But I think that there's going to be a lot of guys that they're just sitting on their couch and they wind up getting a call from like the Milwaukee Brewers saying, hey, we had three relievers blow out their arm. We need someone to come in. Fernando, no Rodney. Can you give (laughs) us an inning? I mean, it's going to be one of those things like that because I do feel like for hitters, there's going to be a lot of hamstring injuries when they're chasing after balls in the field and going to like from first to second and things like that. And for pitchers, the obvious ones of just like shoulder or elbow problems and things like that from having an increased workload after not really pitching in live games for quite a while. And when they were, it was only for a few innings in spring training. And think about all the minor leaguers that are not going to be playing this year that are available for a major league club to use. So you might have teams that maybe they go to, uh, you know, some people are speculating shortened rotations for this 60 game stretch. I actually think we could see expanded rotations, at least for the first half of the season. I am right there with you because I know that there have been a lot of people that have been talking about going with starters that go less than even five innings in a lot of these starts. I know that the Braves have been talking about this a little bit. We do have Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. On this podcast yesterday, we had Alex Fass on. He does a good job with pitcher lists. He expects a lot of the same. I think that the teams that are going to be able to win out are these teams that they're used to not getting a whole lot of their starters. Say what you will about the Boston Red Sox, but during the month of September, they actually did a solid job of having a bunch of guys piecemealing games together because they weren't getting much more than three or so innings out of their starters. So as a result, you had a bunch of guys that they were used to coming out of the pen throwing two, three innings. The Milwaukee Brewers have been doing a lot of this. That's the team that I follow the most, and they certainly do have a secret weapon in Josh Hader. San Diego Padres are sort of built the same way. And then obviously the Tampa Bay Rays are the kings of the opener. And I think that these are the teams that can really thrive in this sort of a season, especially early. And if you get off to an early start, just like the Mariners who got off to a 13-2 and start during the 2019 season, all of a sudden that's 25% of the year rather than, say, 10% of it. That's a great point. And uh, speaking of your Brewers, with a 31.5 win total in the shortened projected season, that's pretty above average, I would say. So you got to feel a little happy about your brew crew there. <laughs> we do know this. Obviously, the NL Central teams are going to be playing against the NL Central for 40 games, and then they're going to yeah, play four, against four, the NL Central for yeah, the other 40 games yep. in your division, 20 against Interleague in the same division. So you'll have East against East, Central against Central, and West against West, the way that the, the schedule breaks down. Yep. 
Yep, so you're going to have some very intriguing races. I think that the NL Central is just going to be a war because you've got the Cincinnati Reds, the Chicago Cubs, Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals, and then you got the Pittsburgh Pirates who essentially become a punching bag in that division. But with that said, you've got four very competitive teams. And then you get other divisions like the NL West. Does anyone think that the LA Dodgers are going to lose that one? San Diego Padres are making some nice strides. Heroes of Diamondbacks are making some nice strides. But let's face it, they just aren't on the same level as the LA Dodgers, which means that I do think that if there is one team that might be able to rest a couple guys going into the postseason, even if it's only for a couple of days, it is sort of those teams that they should be able to have a much easier schedule. Yeah, you look at their comparison division, so they're going to play the AL West, and you got, you know, Houston, whatever's going to happen with them. Remember, there was a time we were talking about Houston and how pitchers were going to pitch to the Astros and bean them. And remember, there was actually a time when Carlos Beltran was the manager of the Mets. Do we remember that, Greg? So you look at the AL West, and it's the Astros and the A's and the Angels, Rangers, Mariners. I don't really expect much from them this year. So a team like the Dodgers, who's going to beat up on, you know, teams like the Rockies and the Giants when they play against them, most likely the Padres and the Diamondbacks as well, with the exception of the Astros and and maybe a pesky uh, Angels series because it's the freeway series, you know, this is a Dodgers team that could very easily go over their 38 and a half win mark. I look at the Yankees as well as a team that in their division, there's not much competition because the rest of the teams are down, whereas the Yankees are actually on the rise. But at the NL East, which is going to be the games that they're going to have to cross over with, I think the NL East is stacked. They're right there with the NL Central with the most competitive division in all of baseball because the Braves, Nationals, Mets, and Phillies are all very talented teams that could easily win that division and make a postseason run in a shortened season. So that's something that's very curious for me to see. And as I mentioned, the Yankees, Craig, I think you and I have talked about this before. They are probably the team that benefits the most with this delay. Because you look at the players that they were going to be missing to start the season. They're now going to have them this year. We're talking about Judge, who is the last one that they're waiting for. He's probably going to be ready for the opener of this season. They're going to have Aaron Hicks, who they thought they were going to be without for the first half of the season. Giancarlo Stanton, James Paxton as well. Four stars that they were likely going to be missing for the first part of the season, will now likely not miss any time, and that's a huge advantage for the Yankees. I am right there with you. And then obviously the Houston Astros, we're going to be without Justin Verlander for the start of the year. Now all of a sudden he's going to be out there. Lance McCullers, we thought was going to be on a pitch count. You know what? The pitch count is probably going to not come into play with him as well as we do have Scott Seidenberg joining me on the podcast. And I'm glad that you point out the NL East as well, because I think that this Mets team is really intriguing. With the Washington Nationals, we all know that through 60 games during the 2019 season, we've heard so many people talk about it. They were below 500. I think that they're a team that really is the deficitiary instead of the beneficiary you see what I did there deficitiary of all this just because they have a couple good starting pitchers but we know this even though the bullpen was improved with being able to get Sean Doolittle towards the back half of the season and everything like that it still is certainly far from great meanwhile with the Mets their bullpen was a hot mess at the beginning of the year let's be honest but towards the second half of the year it was pretty solid and they're going to have back that guy by the name of Huey and Cespedes 
And all of a sudden, you've got a fearsome lineup with J.D. Davis. Robinson Cano was a little bit banged up, but if he can just give you a couple months of production, there you go. Michael Conforto, list goes on and on. This is a team I think can be very dangerous, especially with Jeff McNeil hitting the way that he did last year. So the running joke here in New York, Greg, is that the Mets are going to win the World Series because they're a second-half team, right? And because there's only a second half of the season, they can only go up. But I'll actually give you some numbers. Over the last 10 seasons, the Mets have had a sub-500 record through their first 60 games in six out of those 10 seasons. In fact, their combined record through their first 60 games in the last 10 years is 292 and 308. So they're a sub-500 team in the last decade in the first 60 games of the season and the fact that this is only a 60-game season, I'm not saying that this is going to be the second-half Mets surgeons. I think we're going to see the Mets team that stumbles out of the gate like they normally do every season, and there won't be a 100 more games to make up for it. No, there certainly won't be, but there is going to be, in my opinion, a pretty good race out there in the AL Central. We know that the Minnesota Twins added some pitching in the offseason. They were able to do a solid job of getting Homer Bailey, who you can say what you want about him during the 2018 season. That was remarkably bad from both an overall and a betting standpoint, but with that said, he looked solid in 2019. They were also able to do a very solid job of keeping a lot of those bats in the fold as well. You bring in Kent to Maeda, but I think that the Chicago White Sox are a team that might be able to surprise. They've got a bunch of younger guys, but along with those younger guys, they've made some good signings. Gio Gonzalez, all of a sudden, could be a guy that could give you like three, four innings. He could be someone that does a good job there. Yasmani Grandal behind the dish is someone that I really like as well. And this is a young team that is also going to be getting back Michael Kopech, who I think a lot of people forget two years ago, he was the next big thing before he had Tommy John surgery. Now he's going to be back along with Lucas Giolito and a bunch of those other young arms. I think that the White Sox could be a little bit of a surprise team out there in the American League as well. I like them. 31 and a half wins is their projected total here. I actually like that as an overplay because you're right. They are a sneaky good team that was starting to show some signs of life. They made some really good offseason acquisitions. And I just look at their competition. You know, the schedule is going to play a huge factor this year. They have 40 games against the division and the 20 interleague is what we've talked about is how they're adjusting this season. So now you're looking at the way that the schedule is going to break down for them. And I actually think they have a really good chance to stockpile some wins against the Tigers, against the Royals. They'll probably split games with the Twins and the Indians. And then looking over at the NL Central, yeah, it's a tough top, but I think all those teams are more so average and comparable with each other rather than world beaters like teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers are. So I think there's wins to be had. I actually really like the over 31 and a half for the Chicago White Sox team. I'm in agreement with you as well. And so many people are going to talk about how the Yankees, as long as they can get five solid innings, they're going to be solid. How about the Chicago White Sox? Aaron Bummer was one of the best middle relief guys that you could find in baseball in the 2019 season, very silently. Steve Ciszek, they signed him in the offseason. Alex Colome. So you've got some guys that could give you some very good innings in the back half as well. And Scott, is there anything else that you're really taking a look at for this upcoming 2020 season? Because obviously, it's going to be like nothing we've ever seen before, just with the amount of games in general in 60 there's going to be very few days off but I do think that there is going to be a lot of value with these guys that 
they're just able to give you those solid three to four innings. And I just am looking at depth in general at being the biggest thing when it comes to this MLB season, especially with a team like the Angels, who they've got the ultimate weapon in Shoei Otani because it sounds like he's going to be able to both pitch and hit this year. That opens up another roster spot to be able to add another pitcher because you've got a guy that's able to do a little bit of everything, and that's an advantage, in my opinion, for the Angels. Yeah, so I've actually been just trying to look at the schedule, and I'm trying to see how these teams are going to do against each other in this shortened stretch. And a couple of spots that I've picked out, like I mentioned, the White Sox are an overplay for me. I actually look at a team like the Philadelphia Phillies, and I think that's an overplay as well at 31 and a half. I look at that National League East, and you know, if you go in order of the teams in order of their win totals, it's Braves, Nationals, Mets, and then Phillies. I think the Phillies are better than the fourth team in that division. I think there's a good chance that the Phillies are battling for that division title, and if not, they're right there as the second best team in that division. So the Phillies are a spot that I'm looking at for an over 31 and a half, more like 33, 34, 35 wins for this Philadelphia Phillies team, and maybe even more. I like what they have. You know, I love their manager. They got the roster. They got the defense. And I don't know. There's like a soft spot with me for this Phillies team. Maybe it's because of Girardi. But I really do think that this is an overplay for me. As far as any underplays, I think the Twins at 34.5 might be an underplay for me. I can see them hovering around the 500 mark. Again, just based off who they're going to have to play this year in their division, outside their division, combine that with the fact that I like the White Sox to be better than expected, and then that means I have to knock down a team down a peg, and the Twins will be a team that I would knock down. I think the Nationals are a team that's going to be knocked down. I'm not just saying that there's going to be a hangover with them because who knows what the hangover is with this delay, but because I'm boosting the Phillies up, that means I'm going to take a team down in that division, and the Nationals are a team that I'm taking down. Let me just say this. Forget about baseball, Greg. This is a spot in all sports. When you have a team that you are picking to go over, that means that there's going to be an over-projected team that is going to go under. You can't just say that, you know, everything has to even out, right? So where are these wins coming from? So if you're picking a team in the AL East or the NFC East or whatever to go above their win total, then you're picking a team in that same division to go below their win total. So that's the way you kind of have to balance these things out. And that's the way I look at it when I look at my over-under plays. So I mentioned in the NL East, I got the over on the Phillies, the under on the Nationals. And in the AL Central, I got the over on the White Sox, the under on the Twins. And it becomes more apparent this year because in normal years, you're going to be playing a lot of interdivision baseball. But this year, it is pretty much... 66.6% interdivision baseball. The other 33.3% is interleague baseball. So that is a very good point that you're bringing up. And with the Phillies, I am right there with you. D.D. Gregorius gets signed in the offseason. You bring in Zach Wheeler. Bryce Harper, you got to think that over a short spurt, this is going to bode very well for him. A high-energy guy that you feel like sometimes during seasons, he breaks down a little bit. You're not going to have as much of that this year. And a man that never breaks down, that'd be you, Scott. I would like to close it up with this. Love to give people to know where they're able to follow you on social media and just what you're doing in general. You're a man that you do a lot of radio shows, you do a lot of podcasts, and you do so also well. Yeah, thank you so much, Greg. I'm across all social media platforms at Scott's On Air. It's S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A. AIR and a real big announcement, Greg, that I'm happy to share with your listeners that starting next week, I will be live on Twitch. So you can watch me, uh, interact with me, hang out, enjoy some of the podcasts that I do and radio shows, which will be live on Twitch. And the channel is simply my social platform name, which is Scott's on Air. So go to twitch.tv slash Scott's on Air. Subscribe to the channel because you're going to be able to catch me there uh, every single week. It's going to be a lot of fun being live on video so everyone can see my ugly mug 
and we can interact with each other as well. There certainly has been a lot that has been bad about COVID-19 and all that has come with it. But one good thing is more interaction with things like Twitch, Zoom calls and everything like that. Good to see that Scott is embracing it and always great to have him on the podcast. So big thanks to Scott Seidenberg for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. Now it is that time the podcast which I give you a side control on every game for the Saturday morning NPB and KBO betting board as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we are back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to Scott Seidenberg of ESPN and also the Believe Podcast Network for joining me in the last segment. Talk a little bit about what we can expect from this upcoming MLB season, some season win totals, and so much more. Now it is the time of the podcast, which I give you a side in total on every game on the Friday night slash Saturday morning NPB and KBO betting board as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. We're going to be giving you guys a normal disclaimer that if you are betting on these games, unlike the MLB, unless you're going to Pinnacle, you are betting on the team and the team only. There really aren't a lot of places that allow you to go pitcher dependent. So if you say bet on the Oryx Buffaloes and the Oryx Buffaloes wind up having Adam Jones break every bone in his body because he falls off the roller coaster and Akai Tiajima, who is supposed to be starting for the team, he is replaced by, let's say, Jake from State Farm. Well... Unfortunately, you are stuck with Jake from State Farm. So I do always want to throw in that disclaimer. And since the NPB games are the ones that are going to be happening first from a time perspective, these are going to be beginning at 10 o'clock p.m. Pacific time Friday night. If you're on the East Coast, that's 1 a.m. Eastern time Saturday morning. We're going to be starting with those. So we begin with 304-113, 304-114. The Chibalote Marines are going to be playing with the Oryx Buffaloes. If you're looking at the Buffaloes, you're going to be looking to circle the wagons as they're anywhere between plus 135 and plus 140 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're looking at Chibalote, you're going to be laying as much as minus 160, seeing as low as minus 154 out there as well. Your total on this game, it is 7.5. With the 7.5, your over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. Seeing an 8 pop up there at Caesars as well. That over is also minus 115. The under is minus 105. Your pitching matchup for this one. Going for the Buffaloes, it is going to be Dakai Tiajima, who I just mentioned, and it's going to be Atsuki Tanichi, who's going to be going for the Lote Marines, and this is going to be very fascinating, as the Oryx Buffaloes just had their bullpen get completely gassed during the game Friday morning. They had to get 23 outs from the bullpen, and you saw it just took its toll on them, so that is something that you certainly do want to be taking note of. And for the Oryx Buffaloes, they're trotting out there a guy that... Let's face it, I do not expect you to be able to get a whole lot of length out of Mr. Tiajima. He's 23 years old. During the 2019 campaign, he wound up not having the world's worst numbers. He wound up going 4-7. He had a 338 ERA. Here's the problem, though. He was a victim of about 100 runs per, per start for one. And in 17 total appearances, stars and relief appearances, 74 and a third innings. So you can't think that he's going to give you more than five innings. That means that the bullpen is going to be taxed once again in three 
three and a half walks per nine innings. Not necessarily a redeeming quality. And then when you take a look at the other side for the Chiba Lote Marines, this is a team that is one of the most lethal lineups that you're going to find out there in the MPB. How about four home runs already for Brandon Laird? You've got Leonis Martin. He is a very good speedster for this team. You just take a look up and down the boulevard. The team was hitting a 232 going into the team's game yesterday, but I actually believe that they're a little bit more capable of that. And they do a great job of drawing walks because even though their batting average had been at 232, on base percentage had been at 350. So they do a nice job of being able to find a way on. And then you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Marines. It's not necessarily going to be one of the world's greatest starts with them as Tonichi is another young and up-and-comer. He's only 22 years old. Wound up going 8-2 and two during the 2019 season. I do feel like a little bit of that was luck as he wound up being a guy that was really looked to for about 5, sometimes 6 innings. He wound up going 116 and 2 thirds innings over the course of 26 starts. So this is not a guy that you're really going to look to for a complete game or anything like that. But I will say this. How about 10.7 strikeouts per nine innings. Walks are an issue. He does give up four walks per nine innings, and you gotta think that Adam Jones is really gonna look to feast on him. He's a guy that already has two home runs so far this year for the Oryx Buffaloes. Buffaloes in general are a team that they're able to put bad to ball. The only problem is, is the fact that they're gonna give up a whole bunch of runs. First four games of what is a very strange six-game series have already went over. I'm riding the over once again. Obviously try to look for seven and a half if you can, because in this league, what is very interesting is that things are a little bit different from league to league with regards to the NPB. This is the Pacific League. Pitchers do hit in this league. In the other league, the Central League, you wind up having a designated hitter, so that's why you're going to find the Pacific League totals to be a little bit lower, but with that said, I still think that it is going to be going over, and I do think that the Chiba Lute Marines are going to be able to get into that Oryx Buffaloes bullpen, and they're going to be able to get to their starter. We move on to game number 304-115-304-116. The Hiroshima Carp are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Chunichi Dragons. If if you're looking to get some fish into your betting diet, well, it's going to cost you. The Carp are minus 155 favorites with the Chunichi Dragons. You're finding anywhere between plus 135 and plus 136. Your total on this game, this is anywhere between 7.5 and, and 8. If you're looking at the 7.5, over is just a minus 115. The under is minus 105. If you're looking at an 8, the 8 has the over at minus 120 and the under is even. Your pitching matchup for this one, going for our good buddies, the Chunichi Dragons. It is going to be Kazuki Yashima, and it is going to be Hiroki Toyokata, who's going to be going for the Carp. And with the Carp, this is a team that they're going to have their bullpen fully loaded as they wound up being able to get a complete game out of their starter yesterday. So, no offense or buts about it. That is certainly going to be able to help out this team. And when you take a look at the Carp, you've got Suzy Suzuki, who was able to go deep for this team yesterday. This is one of the best players that you're going to find out there in the MPB. Batted above a 330 last year with 30-plus home runs. He's a base-ceiling machine. You've got to love that. Jose Pirella does a very good job with this team. He's hitting nearly a 300. Alex Mejia was able to get a long bomb. He was hitting just a buck 36 going into the team's game Friday morning, but with that said, he's a guy that's starting to pick it up as well. But you take a look at this Hiroshima bullpen. It does leave a little bit of something to be desired. They've got a guy in Taylor Scott that you may remember he was pitching for the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles during the 2019 season, and he had an ERA north of 14 between those two stints. That is what we call not good right there, but what you do have to like about this as well is the fact that the Carp are probably not going to have to rely upon him. They're probably going to be looking to their more trustworthy guys that with Toyokata, you've got to think that this is someone that is going to be able to deliver some innings. He is 25 years old during the 2019 season. He wound up posting a 7-6 record, but I feel like it was a little 
little bit better than that. 296 ERA. This is someone that is not much of a swing and miss, guys. Six and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but he only gives up three walks per nine, and he does a good job of being able to give you some innings. 25 starts, right around 140 innings. So he's going to be able to give this team some length. You're not going to have to look to Geronimo Frenzua until later in the game. And then on the other side, what I do like about the Dragons is that they do a great job of being able to put bad to ball. Problem is they, along with the Hanshin Tigers, were in the bottom of the MPB when it comes to home runs last year. You need to get a little bit more out of a Zoyolo Almonte along with one of their other foreign-born players that has been just a little bit more of a professional hitter, but it's someone that is not going to give you a whole lot of power either in Dayon Viciedo. But when you take a look at this bullpen of the Dragons, it can be a little bit hit or miss, but I do have a little bit more faith in the starter in this one as they're going to be trotting out there Yoshima, and with Yoshima, this is someone that is up there in years. He is 35 years old, so the strikeout numbers are not necessarily going to be there. 6.1 strikeouts per nine innings, I will say this. He gave up 11.2 hits per nine innings, and yet despite that, he had the great record that I was talking about. He was able to go right around five or so innings typically. He had a grand total of 20 starts, wound up going 102 and two-thirds innings, so he is someone that is going to be able to give you a little bit of something. With the Dragons, the pitching is not necessarily too bad. You got a couple guys out of the bullpen that you're able to look to. You're able to hang your head on them. And I've got to think at some point the Dragons look is going to be able to turn around a little bit because this is actually a team that does a very good job of being able to get on base. As a collective, they're hitting right around a 270, 275-ish. They just haven't been able to drive in those runs. I think that this is a good spot for them to be able to turn that around. You've got a little bit more of a pitch-to-contact team, but I think that what is going to be big is the fact that this is a Dragons team that not only do they not necessarily hit a lot of long balls, but they don't give up a lot of long balls themselves, both with their starter along with their bullpen. So for that reason, I'm going to be taking this total under, and I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Dragons. We move on to game number 304-117-304-118. The Ham Fighters of Nippon are going to be in the road to face off against the Rakuten Golden Eagles. If you're taking a look at the Golden Eagles, you're going to be laying some juice here. Anywhere between minus 163 and minus 170. With the Ham Fighters, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 144 and plus 150. Your total on this game, it is 7.5. With the 7.5, over juice anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105. Your pitching matchup for this one. Going for the ham fighters. It is going to be one of our good friends in Tayaki Kato. And I say good friends even though I've never heard of the guy before in my life until I did my research this morning. Meanwhile, with the Rakuten Golden Eagles, it is Yuki Matsui who's going to be going for them. And with Mr. Matsui, this is a guy that I think is a little bit overrated for this Rakuten Golden Eagles team. I don't know what to fully expect from him from game to game because he wound up coming on the bullpen during the 2019 campaign. That is something that obviously is going to be a big giant roll of the dice. He wound up making 68 total appearances and in those 68 total appearances, he wound up going 69 innings. When he was a starter a few years ago, he wasn't necessarily fully effective as his ERA was hovering right around the four range. Now last year as a reliever, it was right around two, but going through the lineup a few times is no doubt going to be a little bit different for him. Now we do know this with the Golden Eagles team. This is a bunch that they are going to be able to put back to ball a little bit. Stefan Romero was able to get a home run in the team's game Friday morning. Jabari Blash has been doing a solid job. He had an on-base percentage going into Friday morning at a 400. He's not necessarily hitting the best, but he's finding ways on, so that is obviously very encouraging. And then when you take a look at the Golden Eagles team in general, they went into yesterday with a 267 ERA. That is now down to 
you right around at 2-5. So they certainly have been doing a good job of being able to hold down the fort. But when you take a look at this hand fighters team, you do have to be encouraged by the fact that they are getting a little bit of something out of their bullpen as well. It certainly has been a little bit of a trial by fire, but they were able to get a good start a couple days ago out of Drew Berhagen. That wound up helping to save this team a little bit. And I think that they maybe have a little bit of an underrated starter in this one. You take a look at what they've been able to get out of the man that I just called their good buddy, even though I really hadn't heard of him too much in Cato. He was pretty darn respectable during the 2019 season. Only had a 5-8 and eight record to show for it, but a 3.51 ERA. He gives up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings, but only 2.2 walks. He does a good job of keeping the game out in front of him. He is now a 28-year-old in his first start of the year. Wound up only being able to go four innings, but he gave up one run in the process. This is more of a bend-but-don't-break pitcher. I do think that this is going to be a game in which you're not going to be able to get great length out of either of these starters. I do think that the Ham Fighters are going to be able to get a little bit more length out of Cato, though, because he's used to starting a little bit more, and I think that as a result, the Ham Fighters have a little bit of a leg up in this one. I think that the Golden Eagles are going to be a little bit hittable, and I do think that this is a Dragons team that, after they've left so many men on base these first couple games, are going to be able to finally break through, and they're going to be able to get some runs. So, for that reason, we are going to be taking this total over, and we are going to be taking the plus price here with the Fighters of Ham. We move on to our next game out there in the MPB. That'd be 304-119-304-120. The defending champion, Fukuoka South Bank Hawks, are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Cebu Lions. If you're taking a look at the Lions, you're going to be getting anywhere between even money and minus 105 with Hawks. You're laying anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Total is the highest one that you're going to be finding out there on the board. It is 9.5. With that 9.5, you're going to be having to lay a little bit of juice to be able to go over as well. As the over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120, the under is anywhere between even and minus 105. Your pitching matchup for this one, going for the South Bank Cox, it is going to be Tiyoshi Wada, and it is going to be Wataru Mami Soto, who's going to be going for the Lions. And when you take a look at Wada, this is someone that I really don't have a lot of faith in when it comes to the South Bank Hawks. And the reason why is because he's been a little bit banged up for this team. I think that this is going to be a little bit of a measuring stick game for him. I think that this is someone that he's really going to be struggling with regards to going up against a Cebu team that, as in my opinion, one of the best hitters that you're going to find out there in the MPB. That'd be Corey Spangenberg. He's only got one home run so far this year. But that one home run was a grand slam in game one of the series against the South Bangkoks. An interesting little side note, Wada might have actually faced off against Spangenberg in the MLB because he's actually a former Chicago Cub. He wound up pitching for them in like the 2014 and I think the 2015 season as well. But when you take a look at him, he wound up making 17 starts during the 2019 season for the South Bangkoks during the 2018 campaign. He was limited to just two games. This is someone that has been battling injuries year after year during the 2019 campaign. 57 and two-thirds innings over the course of those 12 starts. He wound up being able to give the team seven strikeouts per nine innings, but now he's 39 years old. He's getting up there in years. Gave up one point seven home runs per nine innings as well. That is called not good right there, ladies and gentlemen, and he's going up against the Cebu Lions team that we saw was able to get a grand slam late in that game Friday morning. This is a team that was able to smack three home runs in that contest. They're probably the best offensive team that you're going to find out there in the NPB from one through nine. And then when you take a look at the flip side, where you're going to be able to get for the Cebu Lions from Matsumoto is a tad mysterious as well. He had a very good record during the 2019 season as he wound up being able to go eight and seven for the team, but 
He had a 465 ERA in the process. He's not necessarily an innings eater. He wound up being able to give the team on average about five innings per start during the 2019 campaign. He wound up being able to get seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings, which is solid, but five walks per nine, 1.1 home runs per nine innings. So he is willing to put men on base. But when you take a look at the Cebu Lions, I do think that they have a little bit more from a hitting standpoint than you're going to be able to find with the Soft Bangkoks. And we do know this about the Soft Bangkoks. They are the defending champion out there in this league. They've got Wilmer Ballantin, who in this series already had a two home run game. That came Thursday morning. So he no doubt has been able to do a solid job. When you take a look at the South Bank Hawks team, they're not necessarily a team that makes a ton of contact. They have a couple guys that they're able to match, like a Ballantin. I do like the fact that Kenji Iyashi seems to be having a very good season for this team as well. But then you have to really take a look at Riora Kuihara. This is someone that during the 2019 season, while he was with the South Bank Hawks, was certainly able to do a good job of getting on base. 353 on base, 308 batting average. But his home run count, I do expect to rise a little bit. He had 10 home runs last year. He's already got one so far this year. He's been working on his power, so I do think that that's a little bit of an intriguing note. And I do think that both these teams are going to be able to get five-plus runs up on the board, but I trust in the Lions a little bit more. The Soft Bangkoks, I think, are going to have to go to the bullpen a little bit too early, and you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of Wada. So for that reason, we are going to be going with the Cebu Lions, and we are going to be going with this total over as well. Up next, we got 304-121-304-122. These swallows of the occult are going to be playing those to the Yamiori Giants. If you're taking a look at the Yamiori Giants, they are going to be a favorite in this one. You're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 135 and minus 140. With the Swallows, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 115 and plus 120. Your total on this game, it is 9.5. Over is just anywhere between minus 115 and minus 110. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And your pitchers for this one, it is going to be Kazuto Tiguchi, who is going to be going for the Giants. Meanwhile, Kashihiro Ugawa is going to be going for the Occult Swallows. And I actually do like what I saw out of Ugawa in his first start. Hopefully I'm saying that one correctly. You've got some crazy last names out there in Japan, as I've mentioned on this podcast a few times. But with that said, he was able to go out there. He gave the team six strong innings. He gave up two runs. So that no doubt was a very good sign for the good old Occult Swallows. And then you take a look at this team pitching in general. The bullpen can be a little bit hit or miss with them. But I do think that they are finding a little bit of something. And with Ugawa, during the 2019 season, it just wasn't really his best. He wound up going 5-12 and for the team. He wound up having an ERA of a 4.57. Season before, it was much better at 9-6, and 3.35 ERA. Got to think that we're probably going to find something in between with him because during that 2019 campaign, he wound up giving up right around 10 hits per 9 innings. He also gave up a home run and a half per 9. And with the Yamiori Giants, what we know about this team is that they've got some very good power hitters. Gerardo Parra is one of the best guys that you're going to find out there in the MPB with being able to drive in runs. They've got one of the best superstars out there in the country of Japan. Hayatu Sakamoto. This is a name that you really need to know because he is a 31-year-old that during the 2019 season slugged 40 home runs and hit 312 for the team. He is absolutely tremendous. With that regard, we saw the power on full display as during the game Friday morning, the Giants wound up being able to claw their way back from a 5-1 deficit. Now with both teams, they did wind up using up the bullpen a little bit, but I do think that Igawa is going to be able to do a little bit better this year, but Taguchi is someone that I have a little bit more faith in as well. You take a look at what Taguchi was able to do in his first start of the 2020 season. He looked very good for the team. He wound up being able to go five innings, gave up one run. They certainly are hoping for a little bit more length, but this is a team that they've got a trustworthy bullpen. Ruby De La Rosa was able to get the same 
day for the team. That is his third of the campaign. He did that Friday morning. And then when you take a look at Taguchi in general, during the 2019 season, he wound up having a 422 ERA, a 4-5 record, but you can tell that he was getting better as the season went along. And the big thing with him is that he started out the year as a reliever. He was converted to a starter. So I do think that length might be a little bit of an issue with him. He did wind up giving up 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but as the back half of the season was wearing along, he was doing a better job of being able to locate his pitches. This is someone that is young at the age of 24. I think that he's going to be able to find it in this spot. I do think that this is going to be a spot in which both these pitchers are going to be able to do a little bit of a surprisingly good job. And then when you take a look at the Yukult Swallows, I'm just not sure what you're going to be able to get out of Nori Aoki for this 2020 season because this is someone that he certainly is getting up there in age. He and Alcides Escobar are pretty much forming the Far East movement of the Milwaukee Brewers, but Aoki is now 38 years old. This is a guy that has begun the year hitting right around a 300, and Alcides Escobar right around a 250. These are guys that do a great job out there in the field. I do have my question marks as to what they're going to be able to provide when it comes to the bat as well. And then when you take a look at this Yakult Swallows team in general, they wound up starting out the year hitting right around a 265-ish or so. They've got a couple guys that are able to mash, but at the same time, I do think that things are going to slow down for them. They've already got eight home runs in seven games. I do think that the pace is going to be slowed down. I do think that the Giants bullpen is one of the better ones that you're going to find out there in the MPB. I think that the Swallows are going to keep this game on front of them, but in the end, the Giants pull it out. So we're going to be taking the Giants and we're going to be taking this total under. And this is the last game on the NPB board before we wind up going to the KBO. 304-125-304-126. It is the Hanshin Tigers and they're going to be hitting the road to face off against the Yakahoma Bay Stars. Hey, baby. They are one of the biggest favorites that you're going to find out there on the NPB board. And do note that this is going to be at a little bit of a different time than the other NPB games. This is a standalone game. 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. So I do want to stress that to you. But with the Hanshin Tigers, they are finding themselves an underdog in this one. They are anywhere between plus 145 and plus 150. If you are taking a look at the other side, you are going to be laying anywhere between minus 165 and minus 170 if you're looking to bet on the ABA base. Total on this game, it is 8.5 with the 8.5 having juice of even on the over and the under is minus 120. Pitching matchup for this one. You've got Michael Peoples who's going to be pitching for the Yakahoma Dana Base Stars. Meanwhile, for the Anchin Tigers, Utah Iwasada is going to be going for the Tigers and with Michael Peoples you'd think that based on that last name this is someone that wound up pitching in the MLB at some point but that is actually not the case. He is pretty much a lifelong minor leaguer. This is someone that he was pitching in the AAA affiliate of the Cleveland Indians during the 2019 season at the AAA level, which many people think is very transferable to the Japanese league. He did wind up going 10-6. and six. He wound up having right around a four-ish ERA. He's a guy that's going to be able to eat innings for you. He went 144 and two-thirds innings in 25 total appearances, 22 starts. What is a little bit concerning, though, is the fact that he gave up 1.1 home runs per nine innings, but I will give him this as well. Less than two walks per so that is also something that's very solid. I will also say that he's not necessarily a guy that's going to be getting a whole lot of swings and misses. And with the other side for the Dana Bay Stars with regards to the bats, Tyler Austin has hit two home runs in two games for the team the last two days. So you do have to like the way that he's been coming along for the team. But with the Hanshin Tigers, I do think that they're going to be bound to be able to bust out a little bit. You've got Kosuke Fukudome, who is 43 years old. I mean, this guy is just absolutely anxious. But even in his elder state, 
during the 2019 season. He still had right around a 350 on base. He was still able to give the team a double-digit amount of home runs, so I do find that to be very fascinating. And then when you take a look at the Tigers, I do think that Justin Bohr is going to be able to break out. He has started out the year hitting below 100 in his first couple games. We all remember a few years ago with the Marlins, he was able to have like 25-plus home runs. Jeffrey Marte is a bat that I think is going to be able to get it going as well. He has right around a 370 on-base percentage. He's been able to supply a little bit of pop for this team. He's already got a home run so far this year. And then when you take a look at what you're going to be able to get out of the pitching of this Hanshin team, what has really been killing them is the fact that some of the relievers have been a little bit less than trustworthy, and I think it is big that they've got Iwasada, who's going to be going on the mound in this one, because during the 2019 season, this is a guy that, despite the fact that he only went 4-6, and six, he did a very good job of being able to give the team right around 5-6 to six innings. You could tell that he was a little bit banged up. If you go back to his 2018 season, over the course of 27 starts, 155 innings. With him being fully healthy, I do think that we're going to see a little bit more of the 2018 form of him, in which he's just able to really take the pressure off his bullpen, be able to go seven plus innings. And this is a guy that for his career has given up 0.8 home runs per nine innings. He's going to get right around eight strikeouts per nine as well. So I do like that. And he's been working on being able to reduce his walks over the last few years, fewer than three walks per nine innings in both campaigns. So I actually do think that this is a good spot for the Anshin Tigers. And what I expect to be a little bit of a lower scoring game with the Tigers, they were dead last in the MPB with regards to home runs last season. I don't think that that's really going to be changing this year, though they do have a little bit more power by I think that this is going to be a little bit of a game in which you're going to be finding it 3-2, to two, something like that. I think that in the end, Hanshin is going to be able to take it down the Yokohama Dana Bay Stars, who certainly do have a little bit of pop in the bat, but they don't necessarily have a lot of guys that hit for average. So for that reason, we're going to be taking this total under, and we are going to be taking the plus price here with the Tigers. And now it is that time that we go from the MPB to the KBO, and we're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order on these as well. That begins with 304, 611, 304, 612. You've got the SK Wyverns, and they are going to be playing OC LG Twins. The LG Twins, despite being on a seven-game losing streak, are actually going to be finding themselves as a favorite in this one. You are finding them anywhere between minus 130 and minus 135 favorites. Meanwhile, if you are looking at the other side with the Wyverns, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115. Your total on this game is 9.5. The juice on the 9.5 has the over at even, and the under is minus 120. Your pitching matchup for this one, going for the LG Twins, it is going to be Chan on Jun. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the SK Wyverns, one Ricardo Pinto is going to be taking the mound. And Mr. Ricardo Pinto, one of my favorite names to say out there in the KBO, he's actually been doing a little bit of a better job recently. You take a look at him for the entire season, he's given up more than three earned runs just once in his nine starts. So that's pretty solid. I will say that he is coming off a shellacking against the Kiboom Heroes. He wound up going four innings. He gave up five runs, all of which were earned. So no doubt that was a little bit of a tough one because prior to that, he had went six plus innings at each out of his last five starts, but we also know this about the Wyverns. Ever since they replaced Jane Hu Ha as the closer, and we all know that that is Korean for blow and save, they've actually been doing a much better job, and then when you take a look at Jung for the Twins, he has a 334 ERA. He's done a solid job for this team. I just question what you're going to be able to get out of him in this start. He's sort of been an on and off starter for this bunch. He's been up and down. He has allowed three earned runs or fewer in every one of his starts so far this year, and he's got good swing and miss jobs. I will give him this because he's won 29 in the third innings. He's got 29 punch outs, so only seven walks, but I do think that this is a Wyvern team that all of a sudden is doing a great job of heating up. Jamie Romack was able to hit a home run for this team Friday morning. That was his eighth of the campaign. He, along with the other 
primary power hitter for this team, Jung Cha, are both having an on-base percentage. It's hovering right around a 400. What's big for this team is Jae-hoon Cha is also hitting above at 325 for this bunch. And with the LG Twins, they're just pretty much as lost as a snowman at a bonfire with regards to their offense. Roberto Ramos has one home run over the last three weeks for this team. You can tell that he's probably still being a little bit bothered by that back injury. You have Hansu Kim, the hit machine. He's doing a great job giving the team a 341 average, but he doesn't have the power like he wants it. Only four home runs so far this season. And you do also have a guy in G1O who's been doing a solid job of getting on base. 269 batting average. He's a very serviceable bat. This is someone that has had it in every one of the team's games over the last three weeks. So he certainly has been able able to provide a little bit of something with that regard, but who's going to be able to provide the power if Roberto Ramos does not is the question, and the answer is Kung Wu Nam, maybe? I mean, this is a guy that has four home runs, but by and large you don't have a lot there. With the LG Twins, they entered into last week with the top open ERA in the KBO. That has certainly faltered as well as ever since the beginning of last week, they have been the worst team in the KBO with regards to bullpen ERA. Aside from the Dinos, who just had that strange doubleheader in which they gave Gave up 10 runs in the 8th inning against the Smiling Blobs. That just overinflated that, so I sort of throw that out the window as a little bit of an outlier, but in normal circumstances, LG Twins have been just absolutely terrible. I do think that Pinto winds up giving up right around 3 runs or so, but I think that in the end, the SK Wyverns keep things going. As our good buddy Lou Brown said, if you get 3 games in a row, it's a win streak. It has happened before, and I think it's happening for the Wyverns. So we're going to be taking this total over, and we are going to be taking the plus price here with the Wyverns. We move on to 304-613-304-614. You've got the Heroes of Kiwoom, and they are going to be playing those the Tigers of Kia. If you're taking a look at Kia, well, you're going to be getting a plus price for them. I don't know if you're going to be able to get a discount if you go to your local dealer. With the Kia Tigers, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 140 and plus 146. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Heroes, anywhere between minus 160 and minus 165. Your total on this game, it is 8.5. With the 8.5, juice on the over, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Your pitching matchup for this one, going for the Heroes of Kiwoom, it is Eric Jokic, and it is going to be Hunjun Yang that is going to be going for the Kia Tigers. I think at some point Yang is going to be able to get dialed in for the Kia Tigers. You take a look at what he's done for the 2020 season, 5-3 record, 488 ERA. Problem is, he's given up 6 home runs in 48 innings so far this year. During the entire 2019 season, in which he was pretty much the most outstanding Korean-born pitcher in the KBO. He had a 224 ERA. He gave up six home runs in 184 and two-thirds innings. Now, no doubt the ball was a little bit different, but you got to think that this guy is going to be able to find his watermark. I think that this is going to be a good spot for him to be able to dial in because the Kia Tigers, after the bullpen, very nearly lit the game on fire against the Kiwoom Heroes yesterday, is going to look for a little bit of a better effort. And we know this with Jokic. He's going to give you a very good effort. We still remember the game against Lotte about a week and a half ago in which he was a victim of bad luck. That was where he had the bases clearing. Strikeout, the catcher committed like 500 million billionaires. It was just absolutely terrible. I will say this for Jokic, though. He has been hit a little bit harder recently. He has given up at least three runs in three out of his last four starts, and he's given up two home runs in his last three starts as well. So that is something of note. He's not necessarily the greatest swing and miss pitcher. What he's really done a good job of is command. He's only got nine walks and two hits batsmen in 55 
55 and a third innings. And with those 55 and a third innings, it's only come with 40 punch outs. So I do find that to be very intriguing. I think that we're going to see a lot of soft contact in this game. Preston Tucker, he's still hitting above a 320 for this bunch, but you can tell that he's starting to cool off a little bit. But for the Kia Tigers, the hero for this team was the man that was able to get a four run home run, better known as a grand slam. That was Hun Woo Cha. He said cha 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 to a grand slam as he's got eight home run, 31 RBI so far this year. Ageless Wonder at 35 is sitting a 322. You've also got G1 Na. He was, he's been doing a good job for this team with a 294 batting average. He's went deep six times, 25 RBI. And what else is big for the team is that Sun Bin Kim is back in the full 336 batting average. When you pair that up with Hun Rung Kim being up there at the top of the lineup, 324 batting average, three leadoff home runs so far this year, makes it a fearsome lineup. And with Kiwo Miros, you just don't know what you're going to get game to game from Youngo Park. He's got five home runs in the team's last eight games, so he's been able to get it going there. But he was a KBO's leader in home runs last year. He certainly has struggled. Dung Wan Park has been terrific. He's hitting a 299. He's went deep for this team nine times. And the guy that I really feel goes under the radar, he should be getting some more clout for MVP. Jung Woo Lee, a 382 batting average, 450 on base. He has 31 RBI and seven home runs, and yet nobody really talks about him. So I do think that that's intriguing. But what you do find about Ki Woom as well is that the top of the lineup is solid. Bottom lineup, you have a couple untrustworthy bats. I think that both these guys are going to be able to navigate well, but I think that it's going to be Yang's best start of the year. I think that neither pitcher really gets lit up in this game. I think it's going to be a very low-scoring affair, but in the end, I think that the Tigers have a little bit more power, and they're going to be able to pull it out. So we're going to be going with the plus price here of Kia, and we are going to be going with this total under as well. We move on to 304-615, 304-616. The Eagles of Anwa are looking for a winning streak. Alert the presses. And Vegas, I'm sure that they are aware of it. They beg to disagree as Anwa, a pretty big underdog in this one. You're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 163 and plus 170. Meanwhile, the smiling blobs of KT are going to be laying anywhere between minus 185 and minus $2. Your total on this game, it is anywhere between 9.5 and 10. On the 10, the overjuice of minus 105. The under is minus 115. On 9.5, overjuice of minus 105 to minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 105, so shop accordingly on that one. If you're taking a look at the starters for this game, going for Anwa, it is going to be Minwoo Kim, and it is going to be one William Cuevas, who is going to be going for the KT Wiz, a.k.a. Smiling Blobs. For the Blobs, Cuevas looked absolutely terrific in his first start in the month of June. He spent three weeks on the injured list, came back against Lote, and he had a Lote command. Seven innings. He winds up giving up five hits. He navigated through with 85 pitches. Five punch outs, did not walk a single guy. Prior to that, he had given up two plus walks in each of his previous four starts, so no doubt that is big in the smiling Blobs. Considering what the bullpen has been all year long, they could really use a quality start, but the good news is they're going up against Minwoo Kim, and he has been very open to giving up runs so far this year. He has given up at least four runs in each out of his last four starts, and this is a man that in his last four starts has given up a combined six home runs. This guy has just been banged around like a pinata so far this year. Nine home runs allowed in 40 and a third innings. That is called not good, ladies and gentlemen. He has paired that up with 15 walks and a hit spin as well. And when you take a look at the Eagles, all of a sudden, ever since they wound up releasing Jared Hoying, their foreign-born player, they've actually gotten a little bit of something going. Now, with the Eagles, you don't have a single guy that has more than four home runs, but they do a good job of being able to play some small ball. You've got a couple guys like a Young No, who's hitting a 292, Sun Jin Oh, a 324. He's really been able to get it going. And then they bring back up from the minor leagues a guy that 
actually has a little bit of pop in his back. Sung Yo Lee, he was really struggling for the scene before he went down to the minors. He was able to get, I believe it was three RBI for the team Friday morning. So that no doubt is a little bit big, but then you take a look at the smiling blondes. They've got Mel Rojas, and he right now leads the KBO in home runs. 16 home runs. He also leads the KBO in RBI. He's got 44 of those while hitting a 383. It's been impressive. And then you've got Beko Kong, 351 batting average, despite the fact that he missed a couple weeks. He's got 10 home runs. And then our friend Jung Dae Bae. How about A Bae Bae to a 341 batting average? He's been absolutely terrific. Really, outside of Kong along with Rojas, you don't have a ton of power, but with these guys doing a good job of getting on base, it makes some multi-run shots. And then Han Jun Hu is someone that you should be taking a look at as well. 284 batting average. He's got five home runs himself. We know this. You want absolutely no part of the blobs of bullpen. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is just absolutely terrible. They've got an ERA north of seven, but with that said, the hand wall bullpen I think is going to be very much put into pressure in this one. I think that the smiling blobs are going to be very, very angry after they wound up losing the game on Friday morning, and I think that the blobs are going to take it out on poor Minwoo Kim, and I think that this is a spot in which he gets completely destroyed. I think that KT could reach a total all by themselves. So we're going to be looking at a run line here with the smiling blobs while taking this total over. If you're taking a look at the Blobio run line, it is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130. I think that's a pretty good value, so we're taking the blobs run line, and we are taking this total over. 304-617-304-618 is up as you've got the Bears of Dusan, and they're going to be playing us to the NC Dinos. If you're taking a look at the Dinos, it's a very, very rare occurrence in which you're finding them as an underdog. If you're looking to take the NC Dinos, you're getting anywhere between plus 122 and plus 130. If you're looking at Leia with Dusan, anywhere between minus 140 and minus 150, your total on this game, it is 10.5 across the board. With the 10.5, your over is just anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Your pitching matchup for this one, Raul Alcantara is going to be going for Dusan. Meanwhile, Sung Young Cha is going to be going for NC. And Cha has been saying cha-cha-cha to a 6.75 ERA. That's not necessarily encouraging, by the way. His last start game against the Dusan Bears on June 9th. In that start against the Bears, three and two-thirds innings, gave up four runs, all of which were earned, including a home run. He was out of the game, and we know this with Dusan as well. They now have some of their more trustworthy bats back in the fold. JLO is hitting above a 325 for this bunch. You got to think that he's starting to get reacclimated. He certainly is an RBI machine. We all know about what Jose Miguel Fernandez is able to do. This is a guy that's still hitting above a 350 for the campaign. They've got Juwan Cha, who seems to be really playing up to his potential as well. 352 on base, 280 batting average, eight home runs, 32 RBI. I really like the way that he's been able to piecemeal things together. And Jay Juan Kim. This is also someone that has been doing a great job with the power. 10 bombs so far this year. 43 RBI. He's got an on-base percentage of a 381. Dusan once through nine. Once again is very fearsome as they've gotten back a lot of their more trustworthy guys. And after their bullpen was so badly taxed from the double dip that they had Thursday morning, it should be a little bit more stable for them. And the same should be going for the NC Dinos with regards to their bullpen. But this is just a spot where I really don't trust the starter. But we know this. One through nine with the NC Dinos. Probably the best that you're going to find out there in the KBO. Yuji Yang. I mean, this guy has a 375 on base percentage. 32 RBI despite the fact that he missed a little bit of the campaign. They've also got a guy that's hitting a 378 in Jin Sung Kong. And he's probably not even the best hitter on the team. Nine home runs, 35 RBI. Aaron Altair, 10 home runs, 39 RBI. He's hitting a 291. Sung Bum Na. What can be said about him? Nearly a 400 on base percentage. 13 home runs, 41 RBI. He Dong Kwan. He's been doing a great job for this team. 326. 
27 batting average. List goes on and on. You've got fearsome bat after fearsome bat. I think that this is a game in which both teams are going to be able to hit the tar of the ball bar. I do think that Raul Alcantara is going to be doing a good job of bending but not breaking. This is someone that... He's got probably the best fastball that you're going to find out there in the KBO. According to ESPN metrics, he's got the most velocity on his fastball. 370 ERA, 7-1 record. I will say this, despite the fact that he's 7-1, 370 ERA. So he is a guy that he is going to give up a couple runs. He's been doing a good job with his command. 11 walks over the course of 56 innings. But you take a look at the times in which he's won up against NC so far this year. That's just one. He wound up giving up one run over the course of seven innings. I think that NC is going to be able to find him a little bit better in this spot. So for that reason, I'm going to take this total over, but I think that Dusan is just going to completely rip through an unproven starter that last time he took the mound against the Dusan Bears wound up leaving before the fifth inning and wound up giving up three runs in a game in which Dusan was able to put a bunch up on the board. So for that reason, we're going to be looking at the run line of the Dusan Bears. If you're looking at this with the Dusan run line, it's anywhere between plus 125 and plus 135. So we're taking that and we're going to be taking this total over and we wrap things up 304, 619, 304, 620. The Giants of Lotte are going to be playing also the Samsung Lions. If you're taking a look at the Lions, you're going to be getting a plus price here. With the Lions, you're finding them pretty much at a plus 135 across the board, seeing a straggler plus 130 out there as well. With Lote, anywhere between minus 150 and minus 155, your total on this game, it is anywhere between 9 and 9.5. On the 9.5, over is juice of minus 105, and the under is minus 115. On the 9, the over is juice of minus 120, and the under is even, as you've got Adrian Sampson, who's going to be taking the mound for the Giants. Meanwhile, for the Samsung Lions, it is going to be Jung-Hun Beck, who's going to be going for them. And with Jung-Hun Beck, you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of this guy from game to game. 534 ERA. We saw Samsung had to go into the bullpen a little bit more yesterday as they wound up having to play an extra inning game. They were able to get the job done, but with Beck, he's made six starts so far this year. He's won a grand total of 32 innings and given up seven home runs. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. He's given up as many home runs as walks as seven. So, I mean, that is a very intriguing case. I will say this. He has not faced Lotte all year long. And he's coming off a very good stretch of starts. Over his last three starts, a combined 18 innings. He's given up four runs, three of which were earned in that time span. Only five walks and one home run given up. But prior to that, this guy was just getting absolutely banged the tar out of. So, I mean, will the real Beck stand up? Meanwhile, if you take a look at the Lotte Giants, I like what I saw out of Adrian Sampson in his last start. It looks like he's finally getting back to normal. He went up against the Smiling Blobs. Six strong innings, seven punch-outs, did not give up a single earned run with Lotte. They've got one of the better bullpens that you're going to find out there in the KBO. And we know this with Lotte as well. They've got a bunch of guys that are going to do a great job of getting on base. They don't necessarily have a whole lot of power on their team. Now, with Dejo Lee, he does a solid job of being able to deliver a a little bit of that. He's got seven home runs at 30 RBI, but he's not the home run hitter he once was, hitting at 300. Now, Dixon Machado, over the last three weeks, hitting right around a 350. He's not a guy that's going to give you a lot of power either. Four home runs so far this year. You've got a lot of guys that have a batting average above a 275 to go along with it, like a J.U. Kim, a Asup Sun is hitting a 352. That, no doubt, is going to be able to help this team out. Junwoo Jun was able to hit a home run for this team as well, 291 batting average. He's really your one power hitter, if you do have one. He's got nine bombs so far this year, but I do think that Lotte should be able to win a little bit of a lower scoring game, and we know this with Samsung. They've been dealing with the injury of Tyler Saladino. He's probably out of the fold, so as a result, you don't have a lot of power on that side either. Now, you do have some guys that are doing a great job of being able to get on base. How about what Ja Wuku has been able to do? 327 batting average. He's been able to drive in 15 so far this year. I like what he's able to do. Sung Gun Lee, sitting a 417. I mean, you got to give it up to him. That has been very terrific, and Hakju Lee, all of a sudden, has been able to find it. I remember two weeks ago, this is someone that he was sitting below the 
Mendoza line. How about what he's been able to do recently? He has got seven multi-hit games over the course of his last 11, so he's done a nice job of getting on base, but I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a lower scoring game. I think that Adrian Sampson is going to be dominating in this one. I think that Beck is going to experience some regression, and it's going to be death by a million cuts. I'm going to look at a run line here with the Lote Giants. If you're looking at that Lote run line, you should be finding it at pretty much across the board, plus 120. You might find it a little bit higher. You might find it a little bit lower. I'm seeing at a couple offshore places of plus 125, so you're going to be able to get a plus price here on that Lote run line, and I'm going to be taking this total under, and that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, on this Friday afternoon slash Saturday morning. A big thanks to Scott Seidenberg of ESPN Radio and the Blue Podcast Network for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. And if you ever have any questions for the podcast, right here in my timeline, it's yours 41. Hopefully, you're all safe, healthy, and doing well. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you.